You're listening to Your Financial Planner Now What, the podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. In this week's episode, Hannah speaks with Texas A&M University students about how to enter the financial planning profession with confidence. She shares how to overcome common challenges new planners face and how she learned from her clients just by interviewing them. As she shares her story and passion with the students, we hope that you too have confidence in your part in this great profession. On that note, we'd love to have you join us in the FPA Activate Facebook group, where you'll find others like you who are passionate about financial planning. It's a great community and one that you won't want to miss out on. Thanks, and uh, please welcome Hannah Moore. Yeah. Hey there. Well, thank you for having me. I love talking to students, so this is so exciting then. It's, you know, when we look at financial planning as a profession and as like an industry, it really is pretty profound that we have a college program right now where you guys can go through and do that. Um, it is still very much a young profession. We was just, I was just um, reading, a, the article was a concise history of financial planning, and they made the statement, you know, if, if our profession's a painting, there's so, there's so much white space that's left to be painted. And what's so exciting for me is that you guys, and I, like, we're the ones who get to paint that. Um, so there, there's so much room for growth um, in this profession. So what I really wanted to talk about today, I'll give you my story. We're, I have so many stories that are um, inv- incorporated into all of it. How much time do I have? Maybe about I should. 6.30. Okay, perfect. Well, I won't make you guys stay long. Um, but what I really wanted to talk about was how to enter the profession um, as young planners with confidence. And how do, how do we do that, especially knowing, uh, I mean, I was 22 when I graduated. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about my story. Uh, so I grew up in a small town, well, it was a big town for South Dakota. There were 24,000 people and we were the third largest in the state. Uh, so we, that, that was my background. When I, gra- I realized looking back, when I entered college, I didn't know anybody in my daily life that needed a college degree except for um, teachers. And so for me to go to college, there was, there was just this, I would say there was a gap for when I, what, ha- what I had for expectations. Um, so as you can imagine, you know, my dad worked at Walmart, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, they threw newspapers in the morning, and my dad cleaned carpets at night. So that's kind of how we got by. So, you know, my work now, I tend to work with higher net worth clients. And so that was very different. I never would have really imagined myself um, in that space. So I started, I went to college, um, obviously, and I wanted to, really all I wanted to do was help people. I mean, that's really kind of what it came down to. And I was just naturally good at numbers. And so I thought, well, the natural course is to do nonprofit management. Um, so I started working in the nonprofit world. Um, as it started out as a work study job, it kind of grew. Um, I was built my resume very, very well for the nonprofit world. And then I realized I came home one day and I was like, I can't do this the rest of my life. Um, I just, I just had this realization that this wasn't for me. And so I was taking an intro to personal finance class, and the professor called me up the, literally the next day, and said, "You need to consider changing your major." And so in that moment, I said yes, because why not? Like, I, I had no idea what I was doing. And really, in my framework, nobody had, a, like, a degree. I had no framework for what it meant to use a degree after school. Um, so anyway, that's how I got started in financial planning. Um, that summer, that December, I sent my resume for the Dallas FPA Career Fair. And 
went there in January. So if any of you guys are looking for a job, it's a great place to go to get internships and to get full-time jobs. I think they had like 22 firms interviewing last year. Great resource. Um, so I went there, I got an internship. And so I, I start this internship and it's one of the well-known financial planning firms in Dallas. And the first, the first and only meeting I got to sit in on was, it was uh, a doctor and a banker and their eating out budget was more than I made my first year as a professional, having graduated college. So it was this complete disconnect from what I grew up with. I mean, I, I can't even imagine like what my family would have thought if they would have been in that meeting or heard those things. But what was so interesting to me was as they were talking, if you took away the numbers, I understood what they were saying. Like I understood their same concerns and their same questions. So while I couldn't imagine spending $45,000 on eating out in a year, I could understand what, what, what the root of that was. So they felt very busy. They had, that was, that was their social life. That was where they could take their friends out, go to a nice dinner, and they paid for everybody. I still can't imagine it, but I could relate to these underlining emotions and this underlining, this underlining, it felt the same, even though growing up it was so different. So I think that's been one of my keys that I've learned, you know, as, you know, it's a consistent, a consistent theme. So to tell you a little bit about my story, I graduated December 08, as everybody, now it's in the history books, <laughs> so old. Um, you know, obviously the market was going down, not a very good time to get a job. I started working for a small RAA in Dallas. Um, it was right before, it found my resume through the career fair. It did not work out. It was not a good situation. Um, my professor had introduced me to a woman though who was working at a broker dealer. And we had started having conversations since the previous October. And anyway, I got this job offer from this other guy and I emailed her and I'm like, I would love to work with you. I just have to have an answer to him by Friday. The market, like, this is a terrible time to be looking for a job. Like, like, what do you say? She's like, I'm going out of town. I'm so sorry. You have to take that job. I'm like, okay. So I took the job. It didn't work out. I reached back out to her. And on, I think it was like a Friday afternoon, I reached out to her. We met at Starbucks on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and I had a job offer in hand that Thursday. So in the interview with her, uh, she asked me, as we were sitting there, and she said, um, you know, I'm, I'm 68 years old. I'm looking for a succession plan. Are you interested? I had no idea what that meant. Like, I literally had no idea what that meant. And I said, of course. And so I started that, started that job, and the expectation was that I was going to be her succession plan. So the week I started was the week the market hit its low in March of 09. So it's been great. I think all my clients kind of think I have Midas's touch because it just keeps going up. Um, but that is... That, so I get in there, I start working, I'm immediately introduced to clients as, you know, Hannah's amazing, she's gonna be my succession plan. I'm pretty sure, just looking back at my story, none of my clients, all of my clients had a college degree. All of my clients, I mean, at that point in my life, made more money than my parents made. Made more money than all of my friends' parents made. Um, and so this idea of how do you relate to clients, how do you walk into these jobs and have confidence in those roles? Um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about some what I say are like the best things to know and what you can do to really position yourself to have confidence um, as you go and work with clients who are gonna be decades older than you and probably make more money and may or may not be in a better financial situation than you. So I'm gonna continue telling my story. Uh, so 
Four years later, um, I ended up buying the practice from this woman. Uh, we, if you're in a succession plan, call me up. I have a lot to share about it. Uh, it was, it ended up working out really well uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, one was when we were in the middle of a, talking about it in agreements about how do you value it, you know, how do you, there's so many conversations that need to be had. Uh, it was really neat because we were kind of like helping each other out in the argument, not argument, but you know, she's like, well, we can charge this much. I'm like, well, maybe we need to charge a little bit more because you're taking on this other risk. And you know, so it was, it was kind of a neat, uh, a neat deal. So I bought her practice and then a couple of months later, another gentleman called me up and said, I, um, he's like, I can't make it in this business. It's a really hard business to get into guys. I mean, it can be really hard, especially when you're starting out on your own. Um, he had a decent amount of income and it was just like, I accepted another job somewhere. We have to finalize this a week from Monday. I, I'm starting this new job, gave me very favorable terms and payment terms and everything. And so we ended up, I ended up buying his practice as well. Um, so that was 2013. Um, in the, yeah, so that was 2013. And uh, about two and a half years ago, so that would have been 2015, I ended up breaking away from the broker-dealer and starting my own RAA. So when I was at the broker-dealer, kind of at the peak before I left, I had probably 250 to 300 clients managing about $70 million. Um, and when I left the broker-dealer and started my own practice, I took my top 18 clients with me. Um, the irony, and this is the crazy part, this is why you have to know your stuff, is throughout the year that I left, I made the same amount of money take home money and a completely different lifestyle. So there's so much, when you start talking about financial services, it's, it's, there's such a learning curve and you have to learn and you have to learn at, at those root levels. So I wanted to start talking about some of these tips of how to really walk in and have confidence as a young professional. Um, and I'll, and I'll incorporate stories as we go through it. Cause I have quite a few client stories and I, I think it's fair to say, like, I love my job. Like there, I cannot imagine a better career. Um, I have so much flexibility and the impact that I make on my clients. Like, it, it's really, uh, and I'll share an interview that I actually did with a client recently, or well, last year. So tips to, uh, so tips. So one, you gotta know your stuff. And that's why you guys are in school, right? So like, we all know this, right? You, you know, most, you know, if you're gonna be a financial planner right now, the standard is you need your CFP. Like you just need it. Um, if you really, you know, it's, it's kind of just the standard that you need. You know, we talk about making this a profession and if we're going to be a profession, like we have to have these high standards for people. You, you would, you would never trust a lawyer who didn't go to law school. You would never trust, trust a doctor who didn't go to med school. And hopefully in our lifetimes, you wouldn't trust a financial planner who doesn't at least have their CFP. So, um, I think that's, that's really important. Um, the second thing I would say is you know, work with mentors. That is such an incredible opportunity to really get in front of people. And, you know, my first mentor, so I was in Dallas with my local FPA chapter again, and I did not have, um, like Texas Tech is a huge one in Dallas. So they had this huge alumni association. I didn't have any of that. And so I went to my local chapter and got a mentor, like a one-on-one -on -one mentor. And what was so cool about it for me was I got to bounce all my ideas off of her. I'd be like, so what if we did planning this way? What if I did this whole different service model and built it out this way? It was such a cool sounding board with somebody who I had so much respect and um, very respected in the, in the profession. And so it's incredible 
there's so many people who want to help new planners. And we can talk a lot about, you know, how do you engage in that? Like you guys need to be, you need to be the ones leading in that. You cannot be expecting your mentors to give you everything. You have to, it's a lot of work to have a mentor. I never, I would have been embarrassed if I ever showed up to working with her when she was like, what, so did you do what we talked about? Like I always had to say yes. So it got me to do a lot of, a lot of work. Um, one of the things, um, so my one piece of advice, whenever anybody asks me like the one question, like what is the one thing you tell new planners? I always say stay curious. But I think this ties into this bigger one of get around people who think bigger than you do. So I, I can't even tell you the number of people that I've been around that I put myself in situations where I'm around them, where I know they see the world differently than I do. I know that their um, perspective is bigger. I know like that, that's really, um, really important. Um, we're gonna talk about finding a study group with people who are smarter than you. Uh, my study group that I'm part of right now, I met them on Twitter, it's weird, but I did. Um, but they're better, one's a CPA. Any tax question I have, I know for a fact he can answer better than I can. You know, another one is very heavy on the investment side. Yes, well, I have a competency there. I know for a fact he is better at that than I am. Um, and so just building around people who are smarter than you um, is, is really helpful. Um, you know, as you get going, you're going to find things that you can excel in. So for me, I really love that personal, the personal side of financial planning. I love how clients engage um, with, a, with a planner. Um, that there's two. So when, when a client comes into our off in my office, so let me back up a little bit. So I went on a so after I bought this business from this woman, you know, she kind of had her ways of doing it, and we'd have this big old binder of information that we give out to clients, and we just did it. Like it was just what you did. It's like you have a meeting in, we gotta, you know, yay, we have this huge process to build out this huge binder. Um, I started six months where every single time a client came into my office, I asked them what was valuable about our meeting. It completely shifted everything for me, like completely shifted everything um, from it's not, about, it's not about how complicated it is, it's how easy we can make it. It's not how they don't care about the Morningstar style reports and like, they trust the fact that you, they trust the fact that you know what you're doing. And, I don't know if this is good or bad, but when you get out there, there's a lot of financial advisors that have no idea what they're doing. So you're gonna meet these people and you're gonna be like, clients trust you with their money? And, and they do. And it's, it's, for me that was always really, number one, scary, but two, is always like, clients just assume that I have this baseline of knowledge. And, and that's, um, that's, yeah. Um, so as you're starting your first couple of jobs, you know, find something to excel and find something that you want to be known as like the person that can do this one thing really, really well. So for some it is technical, for some it is, um, you know, they can do, I have some friends in the teacher market where they know stuff about TRS that I, I just don't. Um, I have some, some people know the taxes, some people know investments, some people know alternative investments, some people know how taxes are affected better. Kind of figure out what your niche is and then you can really operate in that, in that really, really well. Um, and then the other thing, and I promise I'll bring in more stories. I have so many stories to share with you guys. Okay, go outside of financial planning to get information. So we love to have financial planning conferences and they're really great, um, but 
once you step outside of that and start looking at how other people and other professionals view the world, uh, it really um, helps quite a bit um, in broadening your perspective. So when I, I have so many stories on this. Um, so this idea of confidence, so the opposite of, not the opposite of confidence, but I think one of the elements that kind of goes against is this, is this really deep fear that we all have, right? So I can't even tell you how many points in my career I've seen that. So my husband, who we got married in October 2012, um, end of October. So we ended up spending all of our money, not that we had a whole lot, we basically spent all of our money on the wedding and the honeymoon after we had a really nice honeymoon. Um, and so 10 weeks later, I ended up buying this business. You guys, I had $500 to my name. Like, and my husband was unemployed. No offense. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, he, uh, we were long distance dating, and so he moved to Dallas. And I would just pace. There was so much stress. So like, I knew that on the 15th and the 20th, I believe, of every month, they would take automatic fees out of my account, right? And I knew that I did not have enough money to cover those fees. So it was a very, very high stress time, time in life. And, and then on top of that, I'm 26. I have these 250 clients who are trusting me with their financial future. Like, y'all, this is a big deal. Like, it's a, if we make a mistake for our clients, it can have a dramatic impact on their lives. The same thing is the opposite true. If we can make one small improvement in our clients' lives, like, it's profound. Like, it's, it's, I had a, a younger client recently who, they're, they're kids of one of my clients. My clients tend to be older, um, and he was coming in for, he had been sitting in his parents' meetings um, because they were, it was, there's some health issues or whatever in the family. And so he was there all the means, and he's like, you know what, we're gonna come and help help you. Or he's like, you know, I see what you do with my parents. My wife and I need help. Can we can we just start meeting with you? Like, how, you know, so we ended up doing a, a trade type deal. And we started working with them, and they had just a mountain of student loans, a mountain of credit card debt, um, their house payment. It, it was a pretty rough situation. Um, and so in the meetings, we ended up set, structuring structuring this in a way to where uh, they actually took a loan out from their parents, so they refinanced a lot of their credit card debt, some of their student loans. Um, their parents now, granted, y'all, if you're in risk classes, you know, so they're at higher risk because, you know, it's obviously um, higher risk loan than some of the corporate bonds that they were in, but their parents are getting more money. The kids are paying tremendously less, like thousands, like $1,500 to $2,000 less a month. We restructured their home loan from a 30-year to a 15-year loan. Like, we gave them, in the planning that we did for them, I, I was talking to him um, even just like a month or two ago, and he was just like, you have no idea. He goes, we didn't think that we'd even be able to have a family because we were in such financial trouble. And he goes, and now my wife and I can talk about what it looks like to have a family. And we can, t like, decades of payments have been cut off of what we've done. Like, the work that we do with clients truly is profound. Um, but if you screw it up, the same is true. So I'm 26. I have all these clients. I have $500. No bills are coming in. And I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> and so I ended up going and buying um, processes from a 
another financial planner who basically took everything and for her successful financial planning practice, it gave checklists for everything, um, meeting structures, how to do financial planning. Y'all, this is, we talk about financial planning in the academic world. How it is in practice is oftentimes two different things, and it's a huge issue in our profession. And then I'll talk a little bit at the end of how we can work on that, um, or resources for you guys on that. Um, but that fear is really a big deal. Um, and I ended, so I ended up buying those practices. It gave me a template for how to handle client relationships. So I knew that when I was going into these meetings, I had something to do. I put that on a credit card. Y'all, I've never done that in my life, uh, but it's so important. But when you have these moments of fear, whether you're buying a business, whether you're walking in on a client meeting for the first time, whether you're telling somebody who has $5 million that they need to cut their spending, uh, whatever that could be, you know, when we have this fear, it means that's the point where we need to walk into that instead of walking away from that. So on our personal lives, I mean, even in the last several months, there have been times professionally where I've had just gripping fear of like, I can't do that, I can't ask for that, I can't, I can't do that. And it's really important to step, step into that. Um, one of the common places of fear that I hear from new, new planners is, and, I, and I'm not, not everybody's coming from a place of fear on this, but I hear a lot of people say, I don't want to find clients, I just want to work in the back. I don't want to be client facing, or I don't want to have to go find clients. And I would really challenge you on that to say, why is that? If it's from a place of, I truly love this back office work, like that's awesome. And I can't even tell you how many people will want to hire you. Um, but if you are coming from it, a place of like, I don't want to be that other, I don't want to be that slimy salesman, or I don't want to I don't know how to do it and it's just so scary and it's just that gripping fear i'd really challenge you to kind of to kind of look at that more so um another thing i would say is looking at how to be confident as new planners uh, be comfortable with silence and and working in uncertainty everything we do in financial planning is uncertain so we put up our financial plans we put up our projections with clients and I tell my clients when we look at a projection, I'm like, the one thing I can guarantee you is that that's not how it's gonna go. And so really what, when we do financial planning, we're really in this relationship with our clients on how to manage uncertainty. It, it's not these black and white answers um, that, that often we, it, would, it would help if it was. Um, but you know, when we look at what's in, I would draw this distinction between this is what true financial planning is versus just financial advice, financial salesmen, um, it is, that one of the key differences is um, listening. Um, financial planners lead with listening versus telling their clients how to solve their problems. So a client comes to my office, my job is to listen to them and to listen to them well. Uh, that is a skill that is very undeveloped within, um, within our society today. Um, but if you listen well, so at 26, right, so I'm sitting across, across this meeting from clients who have like millions and millions of dollars and they're trusting me not to screw it up. And I realized that the more they talked, the better they thought the meeting went, which is crazy to me. Um, but the more they talked and the more that they were engaged in the process and the more that, because they're thinking about their money all the time, right? So that they need to take all of their thoughts that are in their head if they can tell me what that is, and then I can engage with them on that, that's, when, that's where the real magic and the power of financial planning is. Not in putting together this massive binder of, of, of information that they don't care about, because that's not what's going in their head. Their, their question is not, are we, 
Do we have enough five-star Morningstar reports? Or, you know, should we, should we be a little bit more heavy in small cap growth? Or, you know, that, that's not where they're at. It's, am I gonna be okay? I, I'm trying to pass this money down to my, my children. I don't know if they can handle it. Um, I'm, I'm hearing all this news. I don't know how to respond to it. Like, how do I, how do I process a lot of that? Um, so for listening well, there is a psychologist, Ted Klontz, who is just incredible. Um, on the cards that you guys are passed out, we have the podcast on one side. It's your financial planner, now what? On the flip side, we have a Facebook group. Um, it's FPA Activate. Definitely join this group. Um, this is, there's so much good stuff that's happening in there. Uh, one of the things that we're doing is we're doing a series on how we do what we do. Uh, how do we as financial planners do financial planning? Like we are getting in the nitty gritty of it. Um, some really, really cool stuff happening in that group. But one of the, the first one that we did was how to exquisitely listen. If you get a chance, go in and listen to it. It's about 25 minutes long. I had a friend of mine, she's a year out of school. She was just like, oh my God, like I went and listened to that. And she's like, you know what? I started trying it on my friends. I just started seeing how they responded. And she's like, they just, I just learned so much more than I met. Like I thought I was a good listener before, but oh my gosh, like it, it's really powerful. Um, so I would definitely say learn to listen well, because if you could do that, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter who's sitting across the table from you because it's all about them. It's all about the client. Um, this is just a different framework. So my clients are the experts on their lives. Like I do not come into meetings I have an agenda. I put a lot of work into preparing for my client meetings. But when I walk into those meetings, it's the client show. It's not, it's not about Hannah. It's, a, it's about whoever's sitting across the table from me. And that's a completely different framework um, than a lot of what I would say what the industry is right now. Um, so, so, you know, I, I talk about it's all about the client. Um, we talked about... Um, so you want to, we want to engage with our clients where they're at, so that they're so they're the ones talking and, and getting them um, to talk more. So I want to show you guys. I have two things to show you. So first of all, I did. Okay, so your clients will be your greatest teachers, y'all. This is like the secret that nobody talks about. Your clients will tell you what they think. Like who doesn't love to be asked what they think? Um, most advisors don't because. It, kind of sucks sometimes um, if they don't have good things to say. But clients will tell you so much. So I talk about that six months where I had, I asked every single client what they thought. And they all basically told me I was giving them crap, not crap. I was giving them a lot of information that they didn't need or they didn't care about. Um, so now I would say on average, I walk into client meetings with four sheets of paper where I've distilled that information. Um, I've already had conversations with all of my clients about how they want to receive that information. Um, so it's very customized. The, the irony is, like I still do the work behind it, but the presentation is, is so much simpler. And we, most of the conversations on our clients' lives. Um, but your clients will be your greatest teachers. So I had this client, um, her name is Evelyn. Uh, she is in her, late 60s, early 70s. Um, and she sold her home and moved into a retirement community. Y'all, this is one of the biggest changes that people can make in their life. Selling their home that they lived in for 40, 50 years and moving into retirement. There's so much that they're giving up on that. It's one of the huge, huge transitions. A lot of my clients um, are kind of in that space, but she transitioned exceptionally well. 
to, to that. And so I called her up one day and I was like, so Evelyn, you, you've, you've done this better than anyone I've seen. I have other clients who are going through similar things or about to go through similar things. Can I interview you? And before I could even get the words out, because can I interview you? Like I, you know, all of these qualifiers that I was putting on there to try to get her to say yes, before I could even get to it, she's like, absolutely, I'd be thrilled. Like, and it was, she was so honored that I would even ask to do that. So I wanna share a little bit about her story. Um, and this is going back to this idea of what does it mean to be, how do we be, how can we rest in confidence as financial advisors? And, and I think this does a good job of illustrating it. I really had to get grounded into who I really was and, and not compare myself you know, to my friends, because I can remember saying to you, you know, but all my friends have so much money. And you said to me, I just was with a woman the other day and she's got three or $4 million. And she told me all of her friends have more money than she does. And so I began to realize, you know, just it, no matter how much money you have, they're going to be people that have more money than you do. And that doesn't matter. You've got to figure out what's right for you and you've just got to do it. So it, took me a while to really get there and then you also taught me um, or gave me the tools to discover how to budget better I'd always had a budget but when you're not making house payments anymore you know I mean there was so much of it that it was just there that if I didn't spend more than what I took in each month but then when you retire and you're already spending more than you take in and you're getting, I mean, it was harder for me to see it really. And so that you need a budget has really helped me and to log on to it, all of my credit card as I do it, just like I've spent that cash so that when my bill comes, it's already paid for. Um, that, that has helped me be grounded in that and it helped me get my entertainment budget in line and then to really decide how much I needed what entertainment I wanted to do what was right for me and that just because my friends did it you know didn't mean that I had to do it The interview was like an hour and a half long, but what I loved about that little clip specifically was one of my theses, if you would, um, of financial planning, having worked with so many clients, is that it doesn't matter if you have $10,000 or $10 million, how you approach money is what matters. So once I figured that out, it didn't matter what was on the balance sheet in front of me. What mattered was how they were relating to that money, what were their values, what was important to them, and if I could connect to them on that level, I was gonna have clients who were gonna stay with me. I would say that puts me in a position to actually do real financial planning for them. Um, because in that quote with Evelyn, she's talking about how she relates to her money. Um, she's talking about, what was the line that she used um, specifically? How, how much her friends have this money? I mean, that's, that's a conversation like college students have, you know? It's, it's, these are these same, if you can find these cores and these like string, like the, the, what, what's common between people, you're gonna be able to connect with clients. And for me, that once I realized that and put that into um, practice, it really gave me the confidence uh, to, do, to do better work. 
now it doesn't matter how much money the person has across the table for me because they're, they're still humans who are struggling with money um, in, in a similar way. We have to put ourselves in their shoes and the information that they're coming from. And again, this is the difference between, I would say financial planning done well and just regular financial advice that's kind of just the salesman, like you need to buy this mutual fund, you need to buy this annuity, you need to buy this, buy this sales. And what's so cool is you guys come in with such a fresh perspective. So, so when I'm talking in front of, when I'm talking in front of like financial planners who've been in the business for like 30 years, I'm like, you should ask your new planners what they think about your business because they, I promise you they have opinions. Um, so what's cool is you guys get to come into a lot of these relationships with very, very fresh eyes. That is a huge value to your companies. And I hope that they take advantage of that. Um, but somebody, I've heard somebody say, if you say something the same three times and somebody doesn't understand it, then you're, you need to change what you're saying. It's not their problem, it's your problem. And so for financial planners, I think the same thing is true. When you start working in these jobs, see what your advisor keeps saying over and over and over that's not sticking. Um, I think we all have these blind spots in, in, in us for that. Um, but what's cool and what you guys bring is a really fresh eyes on how to approach things differently. So let me give you one really quick example. It's like my new favorite thing. Um, so budgeting, right? So can I, oh, I don't think I wanna ask how many people actually have their own budgets. Um, so we'll, we'll skip that question. But I was doing budgeting work with clients and I don't think it was effective. Um, pretty much clients glazed over. And so, you know, it's really challenging to be like, okay, I'm doing this work with clients. Most financial planners, I'm checking the box off, but how do we think about this in an innovative way? Um, so we started using, we ended up going to an educational uh, store and ended up buying like real blocks that they can move around on the table. Um, so there's so much innovation that we can do as financial planners, especially as young financial planners. Like y'all will definitely be, in these firms, some of you will probably be starting your own firms um, and can really be successful in that. We'd like to thank Dr. Harness and his financial planning program students for having us. We're excited about the program there at AM and the great work that professors and students across the country are doing. The landscape of financial planning as a profession is fundamentally being changed by their great work, and we are incredibly grateful. Thanks for listening.